0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Underdogs Podcast. We are on to episode four now. I think this is four already. Flying through. As always, my name is Jordan Daly. With me, we got Mike Taylor, Craig Smith, as always, and a special guest. I'm going to pass it off
1: to Craig to introduce him. All right, man. Now, I've known this guy through the basketball circle in Los Angeles. Been a minute. But you're most popularly known for your... Your role skills and one tree hill. Um, you're also known for Moesha and two very iconic basketball movies of all time. Sun- Sunset Park and Coach Carter. Please help me welcome everybody. Antoine Tanner, bro. Welcome. Welcome, bro. Hey, also,
2: also one of my favorites I love is uh, Black Jesus.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 Black
3: <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh that's what's up. Oh, yeah, man, that was a good man. one, man. I wish that would could. I wish we could have did another season of
1: that one. Everybody does. Like, I mean, that was that was such a really good show. You know what I'm saying? Put, and I don't think it's never been ever been a show like that, especially with Black Jesus. So, like, just to have these iconic, funny moments, and even think, just the, the late Charlie Murphy. Yeah, and John Witherspoon. Yeah, and John Witherspoon. John right. Witherspoon. Yep, 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 That was uh, Aaron Magruder was
2: writing for that too, right?
3: Yeah, but see, that's that's the problem. See, a lot of people don't know what what like really happened. But season one and two was a hit. Well, season one, they wanted us to do it. So, but they was like, we don't have a lot of money, but we kind of just want to get it on. So we was like, you know what, we'll do it because we love the idea. We was like, this is new. I think it, uh, I think it's gonna hit wildfire, whether it be good or bad. We just gonna have some negative press because the Christians was like, "What the hell, y'all doing?" So, so we did it. We took like less money than we would normally take. The second season, they bumped us up just a little bit. But like once you get that third season, that's like your syndication year. So that's when they know they gotta pay you. But on Aaron McGrew's shows, he got some kind of ongoing beef with the network. So every time he do a hit show after season two, they decide to try to <laughs> what they call make it better. So they're bringing a whole bunch like of the new. Thing they did with the Bone Dogs, right? Exactly. they bring in a whole lot of new writers and all this and try to make sure you know, so-called make it better. But and then they go with like a whole new cast and like the writing ain't the same, the directing ain't the same, and. It just makes it, and so now you don't get the four pickup because they don't want him to get the money. You see what I'm saying? Because now it's contract time. So whatever, whatever he got going on with the studio is the reason why his shows don't last as long as they should. Because he's he's an amazing writer. Like he's an amazing. Him and Michael Steinberg, them dudes is amazing. And Slink, like along with them. Oh my God, but that there's some there's some inner beef going on with him in the studios. So I mean, but, they
2: tackle a lot of they tackle a lot of issues that you know what I'm saying sometimes be the elephant in our community. You know what I'm saying? In our culture. You know what I'm saying? So I mean I, I like it. It's 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 very creative and it's just hitting that, that underdog type of you know what I'm saying, mentality that it takes for us to be successful in anything that we do.
3: Oh yeah. So, yeah, they but you know, it, it definitely is that. But them people they they see they see what he's trying to do, and for whatever reason they don't want him to get that out there. So they just be like, mm, "We'll wait to season three. Oh, we're just gonna change the writers. We'll make it better for you." And the show is always worse. Then they try to call him back later, but with this situation, it was it was too too done. And then with, with Pop passing and Charlie passing, it just made it a different show. Yeah, if, unless you went with the original cast, it was gonna be a different show. And that's just what it was, season three. I did one episode of season three, but I did all of them one and two. But season three was just different. But, I mean, it's like we, we was attacked from the very beginning. All the Christians was on our page and what the hell are you doing and cussing us out. And we had to go through radio shows and be like, look, man, they was cussing me. out like, who are you to say you black Jesus? I was like, nah, I'm the friend. It's on me. So that was funny. Like, But them Christians, they didn't hear it. But after they saw it, they actually liked it. And they rescinded a bunch of the stuff, like the big mega churches, They was against us, like, right away. But they rescinded and was like, we like the message. We see what y'all doing. Okay, we got it. And then they they actually liked it. So that made us feel good after we got attacked, you know what I'm saying, the very first year.
1: Not a lot of people know that you was a basketball player that turned into an actor. Now, I want you to talk about playing in Chicago before you came to LA. I want to talk about that experience and then your experience of, of coming to Cali and, and playing.
3: Yeah, I played with some of the, you know, Marcus Liberty, that's my older cousin. So, you know, he was one of the top players in the nation, you know what I'm saying? So, um, he went to King. Illinois. You know, yeah, I went to Illinois with KG and all of them, you know what I'm saying? Like, Illinois was like, I wanted to go to Illinois when I was younger, wanted to go, wanted to go, but I kept getting in trouble because, you know, the city is a little different. So even though we was good players and then you play a king for Coach Cox, you got to, you know, he's taking you under your, under his wing, but you still out here getting in trouble. He's selling dope, we gang-banging, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it was to do in the city, and, you know, at that time. It was early 90s, you know what I'm saying, late 80s, early 90s. So I was like – and then I ended up coming to California after that. Like, after I got in trouble. My mom was like, you out of here. You want to live with your dad? I'm done. You going to end up in prison or dead? And I was like, she sent me out here. I was hooping. I, I'm going to tell you what's crazy. I met pops. I met pops first. I met him and rock. At, I met him and rock at LA city college. When they had the remember, you remember rockfish?
1: Yeah. Rockfish mm. tournaments. Yeah.
3: Rockfish and the pump. I was playing in that, but I was, I was see when I came out here, I played at I played at Rosemead High School, so I was averaging okay. like 30, I was averaging like thirty five out here, but we wasn't playing no great schools because the schools never they wasn't good at basketball. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I was like, but I'm from Chicago, so I could play against these I could play against these cats. Like I'm good. Like I'm going yeah. at them. You know what I'm saying? But out here was just so easy. I'm getting sixty and seventy a game sometime out here. Like it was so easy. So. My coach well, I was working at Ralph's at the grocery store in Duarte. and my coach was like, Hey, it's this tournament I think you wanna play in. It's called The Pumps. And they doing it like they do Rockfish. And it's at LA City College, and I think you should play in it. So I was like, Okay, cool. So I it was a hundred bucks. I'll never forget it was a hundred bucks. And I paid the little hundred dollars and I went to play in the tournament and um I ended up I was in the I was in the stands and I seen Pops and Rock. When, when they both had black hair. <laughs> so, and they was they like chilling. And uh, Pops was like, hey, um, what time you play? And I was like, I play at 11. Because we had the morning games. You know, you had the morning, you had like three yeah. morning games. So I was like, I play at 11. And he was like, what court? And I was like, let me look at the schedule. See, I didn't know. I I was new to L.A. I was, uh, you know, yeah. I paid to play. But in Chicago, I never had to pay. I was always on the team, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But So out here, I didn't know nobody. I was just brand new trying to get my face out here because everybody was like, you playing with Mexicans and uh, Armenians and white boys, <laughs> Yo. you, can't, you can't really – who Yo. ain't doing that in the city if you come to the city? But I was from the city, just Chicago. So it was yeah. the same, you know. So it was like – and he was like, oh, you play – oh, you on that little Rudy. You probably on one of them little Rudy Pooh teams. We're going to probably beat y'all by fifty. And I said, what? Mm. I said, man, don't nobody never tell me they're going to just beat me by 50. And so Pop started laughing like I like his confidence. I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. Who tells somebody you're going to beat them by 50? I got 27 scholarship players. They all signed D1. You know, Rock. That's how he was talking. I was like, I don't give a damn. He can't guard me. I don't care where he's going. He can't stop me. I ain't saying I can lock him up, but he ain't locking me up, I can tell you that. And Rock was like, okay, we'll see. I was like, yeah, we will. So Pops was just laughing. So when the game started, they had Tess, you know, Tess. They had Tess Whitlock, most Bills, Tracy Aqua. They had all Kevin Bill. They had all of them cats. Like, and uh, at the time, them cats was big names in LA. You know what I'm saying? Like far as on yeah. the hoop scene. But we all was the same age. Man, I had 11 threes. And so after the game, and I just kept hearing Coach Rock go, Cause me and him was talking shit to each other. He just kept going, "Who got him? Who got him? You smack the floor. You get up in him. He's sorry." And they were, and they kept saying, "His shot is so fast, coach. We trying to get to it, but it don't. It looked like he's scared, like he just throwing it at the rim. But it, it just keeps going in. So he was like, so after the game, they beat us by like fourteen. But he said they was gonna beat us by fifty. But my team was sorry. We all paid to play." They would just put five five players in for the first ten minutes, then sub five, mm-hmm. so everybody got equal time. And You know what I'm saying? Because we wasn't really a premier team. So, you know, so so the next morning, I went and played my, my next game, Pops and Rock. They, they watched it because they had played right after us. Then I caught the bus back home. I lived in El Monte. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even have a ride up to L.A. City. And so the next morning, I, w- I was running late because I had to get off the bus. So I was trying to get to my game. And, you know, you had to, well, you probably didn't have to do it, but I had to sign in for the uniform, you know, because we had to turn it in at the end of the day. So I ran in. You, I was, yeah, I was signing in. I was like, hey, because um, I see my team warming up, but I didn't see my name on the list. So I'm like, ma'am, listen, um, I play right now. I need to get my uniform. She was like, well, what team you on? I was like, I'm on team select. So that means we paid. but I didn't know and so um, she was like nah I don't see you on the list I said ma'am I paid $100 I played yesterday and I played three games yesterday my name gotta be on the list I'm looking at my teammates warming up I just need my jersey so you know we about to start she was like I can't give you a jersey if I don't see your name on it so Rock and Pops then walked in and and so I was like coach could you do me a favor I said could you tell this lady I played for Team Select because I played y'all yesterday and he was like, Wow, what time she saying you playing? I said, Man, we play right now, like five minutes. He's like, You don't play right now. I said, I do play right now. And so he was like, Nah, you play next. You I can, come on. So they, they put me on. That's how I got on. That's how I met them. Word. Yeah, Papa Rock. So that's how I started getting to the city. That's how I played in because I played in Drew and, and like I've been playing in Drew since ninety two. Yeah, since ninety two. I still got old. West. I still got old oh, performance from Drew in ninety two.
1: okay so i'm gonna have to at some point i'm gonna have to ask you who was who was the favorite team in the drew that you was on like what was your favorite season of that well since you got such a long career like damn i been. i didn't even know that i
3: I played i only played in one championship in the drew and that was 2012 we lost to um well they, they were LA Unified, but before they was LA Unified they was uh pro top prospects. Yep, TPI. Yeah, we lost to them in the championship. With uh, LB and all them.
1: Yeah. Bobby Brown, uh was James playing then? Yep, they cheated us yep. in the championship.
3: Bobo Bobo goaltended Bobo tended the <laughs> shot and they didn't call it so everybody stopped because they thought he was going they was gonna call goaltending and they Kicked it and down he and, they, and it. he laid the ball up. <laughs> we was like, Red laid, big Red laid the ball up. We was like, Hold on, man, that's goaltending. <laughs> and they was like, nah, man. We was like, Oh, they cheated us. They they took it from us in 2012. But I,
1: that's I, what happened I, when you play
3: guys from Westchester. Yeah, yeah, they cheated, <laughs> yeah. That's that's it. You can't play LA. You can't play no LA team, and we ain't from LA, so they're not rolling with that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about. Uh, Pasadena Pasadena
3: City College. Well, Pasadena was was different because I originally was supposed to go to DePaul, but they had found out that I had did the movie. But I did the movie on the offseason. Like nobody really believed me. So um they was like, now nah, you, you can't, you know, the NC2A, they gotta investigate to make sure you didn't get paid to play. So it was like, so now you gonna have to go sit out until they do like this appeal. And so, but you could play junior college and, you know, that way you could stay in shape. So if you do get your scholarship, you know what I'm saying, they do decide to offer you the scholarship, you could go back and play. But coach is like, cool, I'll, I'll make it to where you could, like, have a red shirt year. You know what I'm saying? He could put me under my name for, like, yeah. seven games, I yeah. think it was. Yeah. And then I could play under somebody else's name. Like They was going to look out for me because they knew what was happening. So I was just like, damn, but – so I end up going. To, I just ended up going to PCC, and then um, after PCC, I hooked up back up with Pops, and I hooked up with Cheeky. You remember Cheeky, the little Filipino that used to come to the to the gym? He was he started being an agent. He used to work with Pops all the time.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Cheeky started getting me out the country, like Tahiti, Korea, France. Like Cheeky would get me out of, out of there to, to play. So I went over there and played for a while. And then I just came home after that, and I, I played in the ABA when they first started, like, when Cats was really getting some money. Yeah. I was playing in the ABA then because it was local, and I didn't have to, you know, going over, everybody on the, I know going overseas is lonely as hell when you got kids. So, it was like, I had to make sure. I was like, nah, I'm, I got to do this family thing. And then after that, I booked a show, so I couldn't even stay over there no more. So it was just, like, back and forth. But I still play right now. I still playing in the ABA. We actually play Sunday in San Jose. Nice. Yeah, I'm still playing. so I'm just,
1: I love it, dog. I
3: love it. Yeah, just staying in shape right now. But I love watching y'all play. Let's you start. and Mike, y'all some hogs. I, I promise y'all love watching y'all, especially Mike, because he was a guard. You, you you, was a bully. You know what I'm saying? You was just a perfect. You know what I'm saying? But you played with some crazy cats. Because you was, you was with uh, AP, right? AP won?
1: Yep, I was with AP. Um, who else did I play for? Yeah, it was AP one, AP two. When we had me, Keith, Claus, yep, y'all, Claus, uh, D'Angelo was on y'all Red, team. Crazy, as D'Angelo.
3: <laughs> yeah, y'all had a crazy squad. Williams went to West West LA. Yep. So for th- yeah, I remember I watched a lot of y'all battles.
0: For those people that are listening, this is the first time the Drew League's brought up in this podcast. Do you guys want to explain like what the Drew League is and how it's different from other basketball leagues?
3: Yeah, the Drew is the biggest, yeah. The bi- it's like the biggest pro league in out. the world, I I say. We didn't, the Drew actually didn't get a whole lot of pub, and I have been telling Dino for years, like, Dino, you got a really good product, man, you just got to know how to market it, like, because I man. done played in the man. I done played, you know what I'm saying, I done played in the one in Chicago, and... Yeah, but it ain't like the celebrities that come through in Chicago ain't the same celebrities that come through out here. So it's a it's a different magnitude. You know what I'm saying? He was just like, yeah, but they didn't they didn't really have the right marketing at the time. But when Game came to the league, he blew the league up because he had the he had the marketing because he, Twitter was huge back then, and he would just drop an address. But he had millions of followers, and everybody would just show up, and he was like. Damn, where all these people come from? We never had, like, like the gym would be packed, but we knew everybody. It was, like, more like mm-hmm. family back then. Like, we knew everybody. So it was, like, the family from the other teammates, from other teams. Like, that's who it was. But but once he did it, it looked like an NBA game. We had hoochie mamas from everywhere, just fans, like, all kind of <laughs> racist. Because it was just really black in that neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? We in South Central. But then it was everything. It was Asian kids and white kids, and they was getting out of cabs. And we was like, what the hell? Because like it, it was free. And you get to watch KDE and all these new these new celebs like play for free, and you that close. Then Cole, like, like once they finally got the, the notoriety out, Kobe came and played. Brian came and played. That was like, that was different. It was different. They put it on the map like a whole different way. Because I think Los Angeles and California got – the second highest is the, – they might even have the first highest. I know, it's, I know it's L.A., Chicago, New York. I don't know in which order, but they got the most NBA players. And a lot of the cats, like, in L.A., they all work out together at, like, Rico at his, like, the open runs and all of that. So all them cats is here. Yeah, all them cats is here already, and they just wanted to go. But, like, I knew, you know, that's what's crazy because i never forget when I met Baron. I met Baron in the Drew. He was in eighth grade, and he ripped me three times because I was playing with the ball. I was like, and he ripped me and went in, like, windmilled. And I was like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> like, I don't know who he was. But he was talking to me, like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I was like, man, move. And he took it. It was like lightning speed. I was like, damn, I'm like, this little kid going to be all right. They was like, that's Baron Davis. I was like, who is that? I don't know who that is. They was like, he going to crossroads <laughs> next year. And I was like, I'm going to go check him out. Yeah, he was a beast. I met a lot of players in the Drew. Like, but I was and I was older than them, like yeah. Tayshan and and um Russ used to be up there all the time and Tommy, like a lot of people forget about Tommy, Tayshon older brother, T P. Yeah, I like man, I was like, I played with some hogs up there, but it's like it was more family like back then. Now it's more Hollywood. It's way more Hollywood right now, but it was but back then it was just grind out battles. Like the atmosphere is different. Like you could say New York, New York is good. Don't get me wrong. New York is good. They got the, the announcer on the thing and, uh, but George is a different announcer. He like, he like dry. He's not a personable person where he ain't, you know, he ain't cracking jokes. Like they cracking jokes. They getting the crowd hype. He just basically like, if you ain't got no game, you going to know about it right then. Like, it's, it's, it's a different atmosphere to play in the Drew. than to even play college basketball, it's a different atmosphere. that, that, that that's so tense. No, if you can't handle that pressure, you can't play. Yeah, you can't play if you can't handle that pressure. Yeah, like that, that,
2: that Drew Lee is definitely something different.
3: And then for me, it's way different, too, because they always – see, a lot of people don't know that I was hooping first, and then I ended up getting, I ended up getting in the movies because we was playing at the Say No that day, and um, like I said, Rock and Pops is like my big brother and my, you know, and my dad. You know what I'm saying? So, but we was playing, and me and Rock was talking shit to each other on the sideline because we have because Pops had two teams. So Rock, that's when they branched out to two teams. They had the the Panthers and the Jaguars. And so what they would do is they um. We had played on separate teams, and me and Rock always talked shit to each other. And he was like, who got him? And i am like, ain't nobody got me. I'm open all the time. You you know, sub these cats. And, and a, a coach on the sideline saw that and thought I was being disrespectful and told wow. me somebody was going to lock me up the next day, and it never happened. But after the game, he ended up telling me to come audition for for um, Sunset Park. And that's how I got on. Like, I went and auditioned for the movie. And I booked a movie, like, and I was like, damn, I got a movie. <laughs> so nobody believed me. But when they when they heard that I did it, that's when the NC2A got hold of that and was like, that's, that's getting paid to play basketball. And I was like, no, I got paid to act. I didn't get paid to play basketball. So I had to go through the whole little appeal process. But by that time my career was already rolling. So it was kinda like, I know I could still play. I could play with, whenever. So, so
0: let, let me ask you this. With the way college rules are set up now with the new NIL and now players can profit off their own name, if that was like that back when you were going through it all, do you think you still would have tried to play like college basketball at the same time?
3: Play at the level. I could definitely play at the level. It's just the now I would have been so marketable, but, you know, back then we didn't have social media. So, like, I look at some of the younger kids now, like the Hezzy God and the White Ivers since all the ball life. You know what I'm saying? Like if they had that when we was coming up, man, we'd have been paid, paid, paid because the cats that I'm looking at, like Craig and, and Mike, them, they could actually play. These cats went to college and never got a minute. You know what I'm saying? At a, ju- at a Juco. You know what I'm saying? They they playing, they but now they got 50,000, 100,000 followers, and they able to make 10,000 a month. Cause they a brand, because they got people that's just gonna follow it and endorsers that's gonna get behind it. They they didn't get behind us like that. If you wasn't the biggest name, they wasn't rocking with you. And you could be way better than the, the name that they rocking with. Cause I done seen you might kill some cats. And I'm like, he man, he underrated. Like I done seen, it. I'm telling you, I done seen it. So that's why I'm just like, damn, like that's crazy. But now it's that's the way of the world. Everything is marketing, like OnlyFans, like all of that, like avenues for people to get streams of income and they, I mean, the young, they taking advantage of it. So, I mean, I can't hate, but if if they'd have had this opportunity to me. Man,
2: that's what I was just saying. It's about that opportunity. Like, it's, and they don't even understand it because they the ones who growing up in it. So, they don't really get to see it from our point of view. Like, if we had these opportunities like this, it'd be like, it's that's multiple sources right there. That's multiple streams of income right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, we was we was pigeonholed into, you know what I'm saying, one lane.
3: The NBA for um, you or overseas. There wasn't no G League back then. None of that. You know what I'm saying? So if you wasn't signing and then you're going to certain countries where they only giving you 2000 a month, and then you got to work your way up, and you like, you, you still need a job. It's like... You know what I'm saying? But a lot of cats don't understand that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just different. But that is, yeah, the, well, hell yeah. I, I would have made a lot of money if they'd have had social media back then because Sunset Park was huge. And, and I, had, I had a lot of haters because yeah, I promise sure. you, and I'm, still to this day, I walk in the gym at Drew, and they didn't understand that this is how I got the movie because I was playing, I was killing up here. That's why somebody told me to come to the audition. Yeah. But then you play against the kids that watch it, they be like, "Oh, he an actor. He can't hoop." I'm going at him, and you know what I'm saying. And then 25 points later, I ain't really know he could play. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, like this was my stepping stone. Like this is how I started. But they don't get it. You know what I'm saying? It's just. But the social media is like way different right now. I mean, I like it because it's. I like it, like the t- but, but. It, it damn sure get make a lot of people big headed. Cause I went to a club one time recently, and it was these you, not YouTubers. They was uh, TikTokers. I didn't know who they was. My wife lives on TikTok. I didn't know who the hell they was. Cause I I, I just just got an account, but um, they were so Hollywood. Like yeah, man, it's cool. it's cool. Peace. You know, what I'm like they were so Hollywood. <laughs> I was <just> like. <laughs> Yeah, it was hilarious. But, yeah, the social media wave, man, I blew everything up now. That's crazy.
0: So you're still hooping. It sounds like you're time. it's time to, like, make a make a move to the big
3: team. Hell no, nah, they're not fucking with me. Man, look at my resume. They ain't going to do it. I, I, I think it's some other players they should give a chance to. But they ain't giving them a chance. I'm like, damn. See, like, bone collector. People would like to watch BC play. I think they would like to watch him play. But he ain't going to get the opportunity because he don't got the the, the politics behind him, you know what I'm saying, uh, to ride that. Like Frank Nitty, he got he had the politics behind him because the social media, you got so many people vouching for him. Like he need to get in, he need to get in, he need to get in. But there's other players out there that's just as good that won't get that opportunity because they don't have the social media. You know what I'm saying? But he should have been given a chance. I, I applaud. I'm so happy for Lil Bro. He been given a chance, but it's it's a few other cats out there that I think they should have gave that look to, because I guarantee you, right now BC cats would like to watch him play, because really the big three is it ain't really a team sport; it's one on one. And he one of the best one on one players. Like he walks and shoots layups. Like once he once he cross you, it's over. He he gonna lay it up. So there ain't too many people that's guarding him without help. They're gonna call help, that's for sure. Like, I've never seen nothing like his crossover. Yeah, his Hezzy, oh my God, I've never like seen nobody that, with dude. with a Hezzy as quick as his. And you know it's coming. That's the crazy part. You know it's coming, it's going left. You know it's coming, and he's still going. <laughs> but I don't know him as Bone Collector. I know him as Speedy. He was 10 years old, used to be in my house eating up all my snacks. You know what I'm saying? he's from Pasadena. And I, when I moved out here, that's where I, I, I lived in Pasadena. <laughs> So him and and sick with it. Well, Rob K, yep. him and sick with it, and and Spin Master, he home them like my my little brothers. You know what I'm saying? So they, they used to be
1: at my house all the time. Yeah. Did, did Bone Collector always have a, a, a do rag on his head? When you-
3: he never took that thing off. We used to be like, I don't think he liked his hairline or something because he kept it on. He <laughs> was like, Well, you can't go to the prime with a do rag. Oh, come on, bro. I'm I got a different kind, that I'm weird. Like, he always had that thing on. <laughs> he's, he's like, right. Yeah,
1: for the <laughs> to know, job. like, Sick and Bone Collector are big and one pieces. Like, they used to do and one mixtapes. Like, those dudes really, really big time as far as basketball movement. And for them to be your little bros, like, hey, like, dude, you just dropping something. I never... Yeah, well, Sick it. older than me
3: and bone younger and um spin master e homes they he younger but but um sick is older than us so he like the big bro you know what okay. i'm saying but he but all three of them they could actually play organized ball too and then they could do the, they could do yeah. the tricks but but i promise you bone was throwing it through people's legs at a 10 eleven years old he was already doing that and I remember Coach Coach Rocky Moore was at Pasadena at the time and he was like hey you better stop doing that shit it's not gonna work in a game no coach is gonna play you he went to Chafee he was playing at Chafee with Tarkanian and uh, yeah. they, they played it was a holiday tournament at, at Pasadena and they tried to 2-2-1 press him and he said go go <laughs> he told his teammates to go and the coach was like just pass the ball he's like Go. Dude stepped up on him. He <laughs> threw it through his legs, yanked him, looked at him, but Spin moved, heavy. the other dude, walked across, like, man, they can't press me, coach. I now I was like, damn, like he embarrassed the hell out of them, like for their presence. And the coach was like, two, three zone. <laughs> he just backed up and ran the zone. Because they couldn't go man on, yeah. they couldn't go man against him. They couldn't do it. I was like, damn. And so coach was like. <laughs> I didn't think that shit was gonna work in a game. It's not gonna work all the time. I said coach, he for done for did sure. it like seven times. He definitely this got game. game it's worked. Yeah. He hadn't turned the ball over once. He
1: <laughs> so, always
3: you yeah, I, I wanna see B C get in. If anybody get in, I wanna see him get in.
0: All right, so we'll move on from you know, your basketball. It sounded like you got into acting through your basketball. Yes, sir. Um, it sounds like you got scouted kinda for that role when you were playing. Um after Sunset Park, you get cast in One Tree Hill. You were, I believe, one of four in that show to make it from the pilot yep. to the finale, right?
3: Yep. Which yeah. It's crazy. Did Chad make it to the finale? Chad was in the finale. He, okay. he was at the airport thing. Yeah, Chad did make it to the finale. Hillary didn't make it to the finale, but all of us made it to the finale. Yeah, that's right. So, do the pilot and the finale. What
0: was the the casting like for that? Like, How did that come apart for you?
3: By that time, I had already been in the game for a while. So I had a lot of projects under my belt. But Mike Tolan and Brian Robbins and Mark Schwann was the creators and Joe DeVola, they all was the creators of the show. And um, we, I had actually worked with them prior to One Tree Hill and Coach Carter because, you know, that were the same producers. So I ended up, um, we did a, it was a basketball pilot for TV that was kind of supposed to be like, you know, it was like about college, about college hoops. And it was called Slam. And that was a pilot that we shot, but it didn't get picked up. So they already kind of knew me. So I was kind of like down with them doing projects. I did another project with Brian called uh, Four Points with Shaquille O'Neal and Cheryl Miller. And um, it was an after-school special, but it was about basketball. And um, they was like, man, we got this pilot. Twan, you want to do this pilot? I was like, yeah, let's do the pilot. So we did the pilot, didn't get picked up. So they was like, we're going to find something, man. we going to find something. so when One Tree Hill came about, it was called um, A Book of Ravens. That's what it was called originally. And they called me in for the audition. And I walked in, but... Them was my boys. They already had my back because we had already been through the trenches on a couple projects that didn't go. So they was just like, when we do get something that's going to finally stick, we're going to call you. I was like, all right, bet. So when I went in, I was ready to audition and we just talking about basketball and then they was like, man, we got to go. We'll see you in a couple weeks. We want to know Carolina to film. I was like, all right, bet. So it was like, it was my audition process was different because we already had history with the cats. You know what I'm saying? So that was a real like, Easy transition, we went down there, shot it. Once it got picked up, it was like, damn, we actually got picked up. We finally had something that was going, but then we had scandal at the end of season one with Chad marrying one of the cast members, and he cheated on her with Paris Hilton, and and it was all over the tabloids. But for black dudes, if we did that, we fired, you know what I'm saying? But a white boy, and he was cute, and he did it. We got another season. (laughs) (laughs) We got another season. And so I was like, damn. I said, okay, I see what's going on. We got cute white boys. We got real pretty uh, white girls. And as long as y'all keep all this candle, man, we going to stay on TV. I'm the only black dude on the show. Y'all going to keep me a check. I appreciate it. (laughs) That's what happened. That's family, though. Everybody doing their thing now. So I'm proud of everybody that was on the show.
2: I mean that was like almost a decade of your life right there. Um, yeah, nine like, years. What, what that, yeah, what was that? What was that situation like for you? You know what I'm saying? Like, how did you grow as a person? Like, what what was you able to like take some of the qualities from some of the some of the cast members? Because like I'm saying, like ten years that's a long that's a long time.
3: Well, it I think it would have been different if I would have filmed it in L.A. But we filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. So at the time, nothing was going on in Wilmington. Wilmington is a small little town. It was kind of boring. And, and I didn't drink or smoke or nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I couldn't really indulge in what everybody else had going on. So the first couple of years, I was just out there bored. But you focused on work because you didn't have all the the stuff that goes on in L.A. Like, you could go to the club. They had the girls. You had the celebrity. You, it's it's easy to get details. L. A. is the hardest place to to focus. If you like, whether you play in the NBA, the NFL, anybody that come to L. A. It's a whole different focus. If they go somewhere else, they can focus and flourish on what it is they came to do. But in L. A. it's a whole different town. So we was all stuck in Wilmington. And we just all became, like, family because there was nothing to do. So we would go to each other's house for dinner after we worked or go hang out over here or go hang out over there. So it, we became a family, like, really, after 10 years. Like, I still talk to all of them people to this day, like, every day just about. But it was a real good experience, though. But then they had me do um, Mark Wine Road, Coach Carter. After, like, I think it was, like, season three. Like, it was, like, right around season three, season four. Then they was like, okay, Twan, listen, we got this basketball movie, and it's going to be big. We got Samuel L. Jackson starring in it, and um, we want you to be a part of it, but you're going to have to go through the audition process. I was like, okay, that's cool. So I went through the audition process, and then they um, I had a really small role at first because Worm was small. Like, I probably said something in one scene, and you just saw me in other scenes. This was the original script. So I was like, okay. And when we got to filming, well, before we actually got to film, we had a table read and the shit was not funny. It was not funny at all. It was like, it was so dead. The first, so Sam was like, oh shit, niggas jobs ain't safe in here. Like, (laughs) so we was just like, so Mike and Brian came to me and was like, okay, Twan, look, cause they know I have a way that I do my acting thing. I never really read the script. I just read my portion find out what's going on, and then that's it, I'll study for me, and then i watch the whole, like, when the, when the project is done, i watch the entire project, because I am I want to be a fan, I don't want to watch it like I'm critiquing every little thing, you know what I'm saying, that we doing, because you don't really get to enjoy it the same once you're actually in it, and so um, I was just like, man, I was like, I can't, he was like, he was like, Twan, listen, man, we need to rewrite the script, you know what I'm saying, so we gonna add some more stuff and we got a table read again tomorrow. He's like, please, I need you to just focus on this work. I said, man, I got you. I got you. And he was like, all right. So they rewrote the script. So the next day, when I came to the table read, we, I had a whole bunch of stuff now. So it was like other stuff that they had for other players that was saying it the day before, it had my name on it now. So I was like, because I only had the one scene, and the one scene I did was funny as hell, and they just left it alone. It was the, the two for one special. You know what I'm saying? I had to laugh and everything, and they just loved it. But then they never heard nothing from Worm no more. So the next day, they changed it. I had all these different storylines now. And when I did it, Sam was like, I think we picked up now. You ain't got to worry about it no more. We good. So they gave me all these different stories (laughs) the night before, and I made it funny. You know what I'm saying? So the producers was more happy to be, okay, cool, we're going to go with him. Because I was really number, I think, nine on the call sheet. At first, I was number nine, and I ended up being number two once they once they switched everything up. But they knew they could come to me. It's just like when you hoop and I'm on a break, have I, I got a finisher over here, and I got a dude who I don't know going to fit. You always going to pass it to the finisher. You know what I'm saying? Even if he missed, he may have been more wide open. But you're going to give it to the finisher because, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to get a bucket. With him, you don't really know. And that's how the situation was. With the with the movie at the time. They didn't know where they was gonna go because that first cable read was horrible. I'm telling you, it was it was so quiet in the table read. I was like, damn. the Only scene that was funny was mine. That's the only time they laughed. But it was quick. And then I was just turning the page with everybody else, just letting everybody else read. But the next day it was all it was lights camera in action. And we got it done after that. So that was that was a really good experience. One of the best the best times I ever had filming was Coach Carter.
0: We will get more into Coach Carter later on, but we're going to jump back to One Tree Hill first. Specifically, filming One Tree Hill in the basketball moments. You know, you obviously have a lot of experience with basketball at this point. Did any of the other cast kind of have a handle on you know basketball to the level you had? Um, what was like filming for these basketball moments like within that show, and were you kind of able to like contribute ideas? Um when they're like writing these storylines for like the specific basketball moments, probably you know you knowing you had the most knowledge
3: yeah, well, um James Lafferty actually played he played in high school. I think he was at like Hemet High School. A, a lot of the cats that was around there, what they did was they hired a lot of local cats from North Carolina that actually played. you know what I'm saying that they, they was like really good out there. a lot of them cats played at Laney where Michael Jordan went to school at. Um, and actually, Michael Jordan isn't even, even the all-time leading scorer. It's a dude named Jabari, um, what is that? uh Jabari, I can't remember his last name. But uh, I think it's Kelly, Jabari Kelly. Like, he was all-time leading scorer at Lainey, but because he, he played four years varsity, but all of those cats was actually the other players that were on the One Tree Hill team. You know what I'm saying? So there's was a lot of local guys that actually could really get down. So, because Chad Michael Murray couldn't play basketball. He's a football player, quarterback. But they had a dude named Van who was his who was his stunt double. And Van was a beast. White boy could play. I mean, had hops, everything. The white boy could play. So, I wasn't actually the only one there with a whole lot of knowledge about the game. It was a lot of catch there. Like, we were really, like, when they yelled cut, we would go up and down. <laughs> it was the... There would be some battles, some fights and all that, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So on set. So but um they had geared it towards basketball, which got a whole lot of basketball like fans. And then they went back to the drama, you know what I'm saying, to keep the young girls crying and oh my god, well, you know, and then they tackled a lot of issues and but the basketball was definitely a big a big factor in it. And like I said, but James Lafferty was the only one on the cast that could really play like that. And then all the rest of them, them guys were just local cats that just, they was getting a check every day for coming to be on the team. And then they was on TV and they got a chance to, you know, to, to make some money and, you know, and local cause they wasn't doing nothing. Cause when I'm telling you Wilmington, I watched Wilmington grow up. Everything used to close at like five or six o'clock. It was the country. If you didn't get what you needed to get by six, you didn't get it. The, episode, the whole town shut down. But like now, it's like a it's a city now. You know what I'm saying? It's not a big big city, but it's 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 a big city compared to the other little towns out there. Because it's still you know it's still North Carolina. It's still rural areas out there. Still the country. But yeah.
2: So did you have like a a favorite episode or like a favorite memory from the uh, from when you was filming?
3: I think one of my favorite episodes was the state championship. Just because that, like, I mean, you kind of know what that feels like. I never played in a state championship in high school. I always made it to the semi. Paul Pierce beat us. Charles O'Bannon beat us. Like, you know, both years that I played, you know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't get past them guys. But it was always, I always got, like, the game right before the, the, the chip to go. You know what I'm saying? So I never actually played in one. So that was kind of like, it brought back a lot of memories. Like, you know, with the arena was full and you playing and everybody here to see you play and you know what I'm saying? So that was kind of one that was like, I felt like then we actually, we won. I felt like I actually won, but I really didn't. It was a TV, <laughs> but I felt like I won. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but that, that was a really good episode. Cause it covered a whole lot of stuff. And, um, another one that I really liked was the school shooting once I finally watched the entire ep- once I finally watched the entire episode because I, like I said I never really read the scripts but once I saw that one I was like damn we tackled an issue that ended up happening years later and it was, was still happening you know what I'm saying like so we was tackling a lot of issues way before the time, you know what I'm saying, before the time comes, because this is what the kids was dealing with. And uh, the writer was one of those kids, depressed, sad, not ex- really accepted. He wasn't really like a, a big jock or nothing like that. He was a little quirky-looking dude who probably never really got girls, and you know what I'm saying? So the girls that he wrote about was girls he wanted to be with. And so that's what made that character Mouth. Mouth was really the creator. So, cause I, you know, it, it's funny cause we make jokes about it all the time at the conventions. And I say, I say, damn, mouth kissed every girl on the show. And then I said, damn, he even <laughs> kissed my girl because he did an episode. So, so <laughs> it was crazy, but yeah, One Tree Hill was, it was, it was different. It was a chuck out of our life. Like I said, everybody became a family. The show became huge. And then what's what's even crazier is the show been off the air since 2012. That's 10 years we've been off the air. We get new fans every year because they binge watch it. So it's funny because I'll be meeting girls now. I'm 46, but I meet girls now like 16. was like, oh, my God, I didn't know you had kids. And I'm like, you wasn't watching One Tree Hill when it was on, like, you was two. Like, you know, there's no way you was watching One Tree Hill when you were two. You was watching like Dora the Explorer or Blues Clues. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the hell? And they were like, No, I started watching and I binged it and I have watched it three times already. And you like, damn, I've only seen seven episodes myself. I, really? I got all the box sets, but I only, I've only seen seven episodes because I, I, you know.
0: Do you think you'll ever watch it all?
3: I think I will, well, you know, it's just sometimes when you don't got no time, you just kind of like, and I don't even really watch a lot of stuff that I'm on because I. it's like, this what a lot of people don't get. I understand. It's, a, it's a job. It's a job for us. So when you leave your job, you don't care what happens at the job. <laughs> the job is over. The job is done. I'm chilling now. I got paid already. Yeah, so you don't you don't watch it. And then I think we didn't really watch it at the time because usually when the show came on, we was actually filming. We was filming the next episode when that one was coming on. It was just at the at work the next day, we just wanted to see what the ratings were. You know, oh, we did 3.7 million? Cool. All right, we good. Nobody really cared. I, I know my day at once we here when I went to work, it was if I had an early call time, I'm trying to get done by like four o'clock. No later than four. If I could get whatever scenes I got to get, I'm hoping i shoot early because I had a schedule. I would go to work, go get something to eat, and I'm going straight to the gym because they hooped at UNCW. It was open runs at UNCW every day at, like, 5 o'clock. So we'll go hoop from, like, 5 to, like, 8, lift. I come back, get some food, chill for a little bit, watch a game or something, and we was going to the bar because that was all to do. It was nothing else to do in North Carolina. That was it. You went to the gym or you went to the bar. So I go to the gym, I go to the bar, and I get up and go to work. And then when I ain't had time, I come back to California, and come see my family. That was it. But it took that was I did that for nine years.
0: Is it crazy to you, like how relevant it still is today? Like ten years off air of now.
3: Yeah, it's, it's way crazy because that's what I'm saying. We got more fans now because YouTube and and um, with Netflix and Hulu. By them, like, buying the shows and putting the shows on and just giving all these kids an opportunity to binge it, we just get the fan base continues to grow because it's, it's an addictive show, and it covers a lot of topics. So by being an addictive show, these kids, that's what I'm saying, the fan base is getting younger and younger every year. When I know they didn't watch this, this, this there's no way possible they could have watched the show when it was on because they was too young. But now they know everything about all of it. It's just funny because they look at my social media and I post a picture of my son who just turned 21. And they're like, oh, my God, Skills has kids? And I'm like, they older than you. <laughs> so it's just weird. But, I mean, it's, it's gratifying because you like, that's what's up. You know what I'm saying? They let you know you you made a classic. And people going to remember it forever. So that's cool. You can be dead and gone, but people still going to remember Coach Carter. They still gonna remember Sunset Park. They still gonna remember Moesha. They still gonna remember One Tree Hill. One, you know what I'm saying? They still gonna remember that. So I done etched myself in history some way. You know what I'm saying? Because we just had the anniversary for Coach Carter was the other day on the um, what was it 13th? And uh, that was 17 years ago when that movie came out. It's one of the best basketball movies of all time. Yeah, archive. you know, Definitely. yeah, it's one of the best. So. I mean, I'm glad to be a part of the history. You know what I'm saying? We didn't think it was gonna be that big, but it was. You know, so that's cool for me. I'm working on new stuff, you know, now, trying to branch out and get my foot in the door on the producing side, directing side. You know what I'm saying? So, but I got a, a good show, the two two good shows that I did. One is called Ho, with uh, yep, you know yep. Miko, with Miko Grimes. So yeah, Miko produced this. So um I play her husband on the show. It's like a woman's standpoint of view. That's gonna be a really good one. A lot of women love that. They're gonna love that show, but they're gonna hate me. Um and then (laughs) Yeah, they're gonna hate me. But you know, sis did her thing. I'm proud of her. And then uh you got uh another one that I did called Mad World. I have to send that I'm gonna send you the link to that, Craig. You y'all can check it out and you know what I'm saying? It's um we trying to sell that show right now because that's going to be a good one, too. And I play, the abuse, I play an abusive, drunk dad, you know what I'm saying, who was a pimp in Compton. But it's a true story. But it's going to be a show. It's going to be a series. So we're looking for, like, you know, either we either we going to sell it to a network or we're going to find local investors and we're going to shoot it and then sell it to the network because we'll kill them. You know, we yeah. can get the money from it. The show is actually good, but I've been working on a whole lot of stuff since since One Tree Hill ended, I done did so much stuff, you know, because a lot of people are like, yo, you still working? I'm like, you got to change the channel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't just do black, <laughs> black stuff. <laughs> I, do, I do all of like different stuff. stuff.
0: Yeah, man, your IMD page is loaded with stuff you've done between producing and yeah. um, directing. It's all there, but to close out on your One Tree Hill chapter, is there a dream storyline you wish your character had that you didn't get?
3: I wanted to I wanted to make love to so, Sophia Bush's character one time, but they <laughs> wouldn't do it. They didn't want the drama. <laughs> ah, that
0: would have been a good one. Yeah. That would have
3: been fun. Yeah, you. Sophia, that's that's like my sister, but we always joked. I used to be like, I want to Brooke Brooke because there, there was this, go Brooke yourself. And I'd be like, I want to Brooke Brooke too. What's happening? And they would never do it, <laughs> so we kept so we we kept it on going like we wanted to do it because just to see if they would write it, but they never wrote it. <laughs> they just was like, yeah, whatever. Y'all go hit.
2: Maybe in the reunion. So 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 going back on that like that that last question just a little bit like was there any role that you almost got but you didn't get like something happened that you like wish you would have had like any like other movies that you was like I auditioned for that like I wish I would have had that this would have been my role in that movie type of situation you know what I'm
3: talking about I did actually I went from having two jobs to no jobs in eight hours it was the craziest like <laughs> at the time I was filming um Sister Sister <clears throat> you know the tv show <laughs> with the twins and uh with Tia Tamara. and I um auditioned for it was called The Corner I don't know if you remember the corner, but the corner was a prequel to The Wire. So, yeah, go back and look it up. Sean T. Nelson did it. Um, It was me and Sean T. Nelson that tested for the, the corner. Eileen McKnight was the casting director, and then Denzel was directing Friday Night Lights. So it was his first. It was his directorial debut. So I was like, damn, this is a miniseries. And back then, like, miniseries weren't really cracking like movies was. So I was like, damn. So I auditioned for Friday Night Lights. So I got close. So it was like, it was down to me and Donald Faison for Friday Night Lights. And it was me and Shanti uh, to the finals down for the corner. But it was a conflict because they were filming at the same time. So I would have had to leave to go to Baltimore the next day to start shooting in like three or four days. And if I would have booked Remember the Titans, I would have had to go down south. I think it was Louisiana. We had to go to Louisiana for training camp, for football, to get ready to film. So I was like, damn. So everybody was like, well, what do you want to do? This is going to be a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. And this is going to be something Charles Dutton is doing, which Charles was big, but he wasn't big like Denzel. You know what I'm saying at the time? So it was like, what choice are you going to make? And I was like, well, what choice am I? So at the time, I was told your first choice on the corner and your first choice with Denzel. But you, got to, you can't sign your contract until in the morning. So I was like, huh. So me and my agent that was thinking, so Eileen McKnight, she ended up calling over to Jerry Bruckheimer's and was like, so look, what position is Antoine in? And they because we need to make our offer today because we we have to get them on a plane in the morning. And so they was like, well, right now he's number one. So I was like, if they said I'm number one, then I'm going to take the movie. I ain't going to do the miniseries because we didn't know how big the miniseries was going to be. And it still wasn't big. It was only four episodes, but it turned into The Wire, which was huge. And so I was like, mm. and I really wanted to do the miniseries, but but it was something you wanted to work with Denzel too. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, damn, this is directorial debut. This movie's going to be big. He got Wood Harris. He got all these other actors that I love, you know, want to work with. It's like this racial thing. I'm like, man, that's going to be big. This was about drugs. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of wanted to get away from drugs for a minute and do something different. You know what I'm saying? And I never forget it. Robbie Reed was my manager at the time. And she came to the set and was like, it's not going to happen. I was like, what are you talking about? We was just getting ready to uh, film the episode for the studio audience that night. She was like, so they called over and said that you were, they called over from the, the corner called over to remember the Titans and asked what position were you in? They said you was first choice. So they passed on you and went with Sean T because they needed to pick it up. You signed your contract at eight in the morning and they knew that, but instead of you signing your contract, then they said, Oh, I failed to second choice and they gave it to Donald Faison. So I could have did the corner and been on the wire. If they would have told me that I was not second choice or first choice, they told me I was first choice. So we made a decision, but that was one that got away. That that was one that got away from me. I, I wanted to do that one, so bad. I cried. I was like, "Man, I wanted to do that." Then when I saw the success of the show, and what was Man, crazy was bad. they never bought me back in for. I never got one audition for The Wire, period. After I turned it down, so that was a whole. They went a whole nother four seasons, and I never got. I never got in to do one episode, and that's one of my favorite shows of all time. I love David Simon. He's like a beast at writing. At the time, I was young. It was, you know what I'm saying, that you're trying to make the best career choice you can to, you know what I'm saying, to get on. And it just was, it wasn't a good fit for me. I I missed that opportunity. But I wish I could take that one back because I would have show chose the corner. I would have show chose that one. That one would have put me on a different plateau, like, period, at that time, because how big the show was. And that show's created stars. Idris Elba, Michael B. Jordan, like, a lot of cats came from that show. A lot of cats came from that show, so I was like, damn, that was one I wish I could have back. But, you know, other opportunities not. You just got to, you know, keep kicking that door, and eventually it fly open. Or
1: create it. Then- yeah, you got to create so, it. That's, that's the new way. Back OTA, you was playing a high schooler. Like, how was that? Because you was a little bit older, so, like, how was that vibe? You know what I'm saying?
3: I told my daughter. I told my. I told my daughter because I remember one day she told me I was old, and I was like, "Baby girl, I've been playing seventeen for seventeen years. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? No. Yeah, Black do crack." <laughs> so, no, nah, it was cool because I mean we wasn't that much older. I was like, I was in my early twenties when um, when I was playing high school, but I think we I still had the youthful look because I didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't do. nothing. all I did was work out. You know what I'm saying? And, Back then, you know, I could eat whatever I wanted to eat because I was playing basketball six hours a day. You know what I'm saying? So I had a, I had an eight-pack, and I didn't really have to do no, no sit-ups. <laughs> I just had to hoop. <laughs> so it was like, you know, you stayed in shape just doing that, so you kept the youthful look. And just to deal with it, it was just kind of like, oh, this, this dope. I, I actually liked the show better when they went ahead five years because everybody thought the show was going to, like, burn. Once we came back out to season four, so what Swan did was this was the first time it had ever been done in TV history. And then we seen a lot of other shows copy us right after that. Because uh, what was the name of the show with uh, Eva Longoria on it? I'm trying to remember the Desperate name of the Housewives. show. Something Wives. Desperate Housewives. Okay. We went ahead five years. If you go back and look once we from season four to season five, we graduated high school season four. Season five was four years later, like four and a half years later, or like almost five years later. And everybody was like, there's no fucking way it's going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, how you going to explain all the time in the middle? And we was like, we all 20 something now. We drinking, they smoking, they doing, you know what I'm saying? They partying different They, You know what I'm saying? Right now you got these high school kids, they sluts. You know what I'm saying? Like... You know what I'm saying? At least if they grown and they deal with different issues and and it worked. And they thought we was getting cancelled after the season five. It worked. And right after everybody else talked shit about us doing it, then Desperate Housewives went ahead five years their next season. And then other shows started doing it. Like going ahead five, six years. We was like So we you know, we we set a lot of trends. Yeah, we set a whole lot of trends.
0: And then moving in from to Coach Carter You briefly talked about it earlier, but one thing we got to know specifically is we saw in another interview, you claimed that Samuel Jackson was kind of your role model and inspiration for you getting into acting. What was that like working with him specifically and then like the other bigger stars on that that movie as well?
3: Well, what was crazy was I had already worked with Sam before I did 187 with him. And so um, that's the first time i had ever met him. We did 187. And we just basically chopped it up. And he was just a cool dude. And he would like, because I didn't really know how to act back then. I just was a hooper. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I went in, I was trying to get that $100 a day. You know what I'm saying? And I ended up getting an audition. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, damn, I had no idea what I was doing. So I would like, not steal, but learn from the OG actors that I was around, which was Richard Roundtree. I learned something from him. Charles Dutton, I learned from him. Denzel, and then Sam. And I basically just took a little piece of everything that they said to do and made it my own, made my own like style. Cause Sam always said, forget the line, know the scene. And it was like, what? What you talking about? He'd be like, okay. He'd be like, okay, you come in the house. This girl is standing right there with lingerie on. That's the scene. What's the lines? I'd be like, "Oh, got it." You know what I'm saying? So it was like, you don't need to know the line. You live the scene, and I'd be like, "Okay, cool, got it." Richard Roundtree told me, "Just go with your instinct." Like you got good instinct, go with your instinct. Denzel said, "Don't act, just be." If I could tell that you act, then you suck. And I was like, but it all made sense. But me, I always like, I always compared everything to who. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the only way I could do it. Like, in all honesty, I think basketball players are some of the best actors that's out there because our focus is different. We know we gotta be the practice. And practice started at 10. We there at 9 30. We gotta be lathered up before 10 o'clock. So we there on time. We prepared. You know what I'm saying? When we go through a drill, it's us against this. Like we not I don't look at you as a, a mentor. I'm looking at you as a you an opponent. You know what I'm saying? So you better, you got to bring your game when you play against me. Like, it's the same. That's how I looked at That's That's how I looked at it, and I think that's how I survived in the game. Because, I, you know, it's a lot of hate. It's a lot of cats don't want to tell you about this audition, or that. they don't want to give you the opportunity because they feel like he going to get it over you. And, and I feel like if I just work hard, and if it's, it got my name on it, it got my name on it. I just need to be, you know, blessed with the right opportunity to do it. And so... I mean, like I said, I just I think the basketball players could do it, but just me acting with those guys it was like, okay forget the line, know the scene slow it down, make it you, that's what Charles Dutton said: just slow it down, make it you you know, don't act, just be you know, because if I could tell you, act you suck, and and go with your instinct so it's like, you see what I'm saying, you use all that, and you create your own style Now those
2: was like bars, that's kind of like I mean, you basically just describe this underdog mentality that we, you know what I'm saying, speak about on the uh, on our podcast. Like, I was just saying, like, being a basketball player, it was things that I saw, like, I saw the, the, the Tim Hardaway 1-2 crossover, and I was like, I can do that, but I'm going to put my love flair to it. Yeah, I'm going to use that, but I'm going to put my love flair to it and customize it and make it mine. You know what I'm saying? I seen the Allen Iverson, the Kobe crossover, I'm like, okay, I can do that, but I'm going to put a little bit more of this on it, and I'm going to take a little bit of that off of it, and then now that's my move, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's just the mentality of just, like, customizing the things or the people that you kind of look at as, you know what I'm saying, being that model for yourself. I think that's, like, the, the mentality that, you know what I'm saying, that that's so fitting to, to, to overcome and do something that's out of, you know what I'm saying, out of the, the,
3: the normal realm. Could understand. They understand what we say. Like, I'm not I'm not going to steal Kyrie's move because I never could steal it. But I look at it and say, well, I could use that and try to maybe I hezzy and spin move off that, off that one leg and let me work on that. Now it's different. You know what I'm saying? So that's all I did was I took a little bit from them and okay. just – created my own thing. So it's like now it's an easy focus, but I'm going to tell you what, what's scary is you have, every actor has an out-of-body experience. Every actor. I don't care what character it is. like, and, and if it's something that's deep and you had an out-of-body experience, that's when you know I could do it. And it makes you more confident. If, if, if it makes any sense, it's like... You know what I'm saying? I have a out of you have that out of body experience where you actually become that character. And you can't shake it. You can't shake it. Like it's like, what the hell is wrong with me? You know it's something wrong with you, but you are that person still. Right. You are reacting. you feel a certain way. It's crazy. Like
2: like 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 how they like how they was
3: saying like the Tupac and
2: Juice situation. You know what I'm mean? saying? Yeah. Like how they were saying that, similar to
3: that. Yeah. You become that. Yeah, he could he could become that and it's hard to come out of that. And that's why you see a lot of actors, like a lot of the big actors, you see they they die from like overdose, drug overdose. Cause some people can't handle that. It's a different pressure. I don't know what it is. It's crazy, but it's a feeling that your body gets. You have to literally go away from people and like, let your body just come back to what you were like, but now I can control it. But at first, If you can't control a lot of actors, once they have it, they can't control it. And a lot of them don't get it until later in their careers. You know what I'm saying? When they focus. But that what that's what really made me know that I could do this. I was like, damn, I could really do this. I'm not nervous no more. I'm not this. I could do this. I was like, bet, hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then I just and like I said, I incorporated everybody else's style to make my own style. You know what I'm saying? See, like a lot of people don't really study the actors. If you ever go watch Denzel, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trip you out real quick. Go watch Denzel when he does certain scenes. He does this in every certain scene. He kisses his hand, and he touched something. <laughs> no. And when he's talking, he never blinks. So if he's having a conversation with somebody, he never blinks because his thing is whoever blinks the first, whoever blinks the first loses. So he never blinks. And you'll be like, I never paid attention to that. So I would go back and watch And I said, damn, he really taking over the scenes because he's not blinking. And they can't handle it. Like he's having a stare down in the scene and he's not blinking. And I was like, that's so cold. So you have to like, you know what I'm saying? You have to watch that stuff. to. You watch it different when you on that. You know what I'm saying? You see it just like you see the game different. You know what I'm saying? You look at footwork. You look at this. You look at that. It's, it's like all incorporated, but I look at everything in the acting world as hoop. Period. Because there's a big
1: of polarity. Like, uh-huh. I'll say, for example, like, when you in the league, you need to know this play ahead. If you don't know this one play, you could be fired. Just like if you come in there and learn
3: that line you could be fired just like that. just like that yep mm-hmm. and and that, that's where you gotta add the iq so you gotta have an iq on the court and you gotta add an iq in the in the acting game because you you don't know but you, i had to learn it you know what i'm saying i had to learn it and it took me a while to learn it but like i said once i finally got it down then now it's it's not work no more I go to the set, I'm super confident, I know, you know, let me read this, oh, okay, cool, yeah, we do that, boom, and then I know I can put my little spin on it, and and it's going to make it, you know what I'm saying, it's going to make it believable to where they like, oh, damn, here comes this dude again, you know, I know him, they don't know what, what I'm <laughs> capable of doing, they don't know which way I'm going to go, and that's what you want, you want to keep people on their toes with it, you know what I'm saying, so it ends up being like a good mesh but that's why like I, when when we did the show i did the thing with miko and she was like bro i'm not an actress i don't, I just got some money and i'm trying to put it behind this idea that i got and i'm like you can do it yeah. and she she was studying her lines and she knew her lines and she knew her lines and i was like okay then i took the script away from her and i started saying other stuff and she would respond like I said, I'm going to just say whatever I say. Don't worry about what I say. Just when I stop talking, I just want you to list, just listen to what I'm telling you and respond. And then she was like, wait, hold on. And the whole attitude switched up everything. I said, because we wasn't acting. We were just being. So you're giving me natural responses. So yeah. now I believe you. When you're acting, I don't believe you. It sounds like you're reading off the paper. Yeah. So when I had to break it down... Yeah, I broke it in hoop Uh, terms for it. Then when I broke it in hoop terms for it, then she understood totally what I was saying and was like, Mm -hmm. okay, got it. And then we did the the take, and it was like, that's what we looking for. I was like, see, you got to have somebody that knows how to pull it out of you.
2: Yeah. 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 Shout out to Miko, too. She, like, first off, she's a hooper for sure. She's very active on the hoopers thing. But she did some commentating. She did some, like, some journaling stuff for the big three, too. So, now, she definitely is a character. She got her own little personality. She's funny as all as all get out, too.
3: Yeah, so. that girl's crazy. I love you, yeah, too. I'm
2: going I'm to be, be, yeah, I'm going to be looking forward to that, too. What'd you say that was called
3: again? It's called Hope, HOE, H-O-E, uh-huh. Happiness uh-huh. Over Everything. It's about a, a cheating wife. So, she she uh-huh. named it HOE. So I I you got a sense of humor that's just that's unheard of. Uh-huh. <laughs> She
1: said, right yes, there. I'm
2: going to be a host. Straightforward. Yeah. Straightforward. That's I game.
1: On, on <laughs> set, did Samuel Jackson ever hit you with the MF?
3: Oh, yeah. How many Man, times it's... did
1: he say it on set?
3: <laughs> if, if, if I had a cuss jar, it would be full. <laughs> that's, that's how many times he did. That's just, that's just him. That's Uncle Sammy. That's how he get down. Yep. But he to the point, though. No, you know what i will tell you the funniest story. So me and Sam was on set one day, right? And a, this one Ashanti had just came. So, you know, Ashanti, she's new to acting and stuff like that at the time. And you know, a lot of times when they come from the singing world or the you know, that world, it's ten bodyguards, they walking you through, they everybody move and you know what I'm saying, like but we was on set and it was just us. It wasn't no no extras that they were just us in the cast. It was just like the cast and maybe a few extras in one scene. So me and Sam, we was in his trailer watching the Spurs because the Spurs was playing the Pistons. It was the uh, the NBA Finals. And the Spurs, so we was like, I ain't had no TV like his in his trailer. He had the decked out trailer. I had the little regular honey wagon. You know what I'm saying? So I'm over at his trailer watching the, watching the game. And so we, we hear, started hearing all this ruckus. Like, what the hell going on? So we walk outside, and it's Ashanti and her mom. They walk, and they got like five or six big-ass security guards surrounding her with these black shirts like they was walking her through the tunnel at the concert. You know what I'm saying? So we was like, what? they Like, they tripping. It's just us on set today. And uh, Sam said, what the fuck? Look at this motherfucker. Hold on. He grabbed the script. And he looked, he said, what number am I on the call sheet? I said, number one. He said, what number are you? I said, number two. He said, I guess we ain't shit. Come on, let's go to the (laughs) set. We started walking. But we didn't have no security. (laughs) We just was walking. (laughs) We was cracking up. I was like, Sam is crazy as hell. But, we, you know, it it wasn't her fault. She don't know. She was brand new to the set. You know what I'm saying? And she don't know. We had fans, but... I ain't gonna lie, we used to have fans when they found out that Shanti was working, shit, it was spectators. They would line the streets up just to get a glimpse of her when we was filming in Long Beach. I was like, damn, yeah, she had a following. Sean had a following. We didn't have had that following. We just was like, oh, they filming a movie. All right, cool.
2: <laughs>
3: but when she came, shit, it was different. I promise you that. It was different. But that's one of the, like I said, that's one of the best times I ever had filming any movie was, uh, was was Coach Carter because Sunset Park was fun, too, but it was my very first anything. Yeah. It was my very first. So it was like I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know how to handle celebrity. Because being a high school basketball celebrity is different than being a you on TV and everybody knows you. Yeah, everybody coming up to you. Oh, dude, you the dude? And you like, what up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, it's weird to me because even at the Drew League, they praise a lot of celebrities now. Like, you know, what I'm saying, they sit courtside, nothing. They won't even give me a courtside seat because I'm just, I'm just Drano. That's what they call me. Yeah. George, George nicknamed me draino years ago. So I'm just draino So when I come. They forget that I done did all these movies and stuff. They like, oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's Twan, Drano, man. He good. Hey, Drano, could you move so the celebrities could sit down? i will be like, what? <laughs> you know what I'm like, it's so weird. So. But like I said, I, I'm family, so they don't look at me like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, unless they see me on TV, they'd be like, oh, that's my boy. Hold on, let me call him. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's just different. I don't know. It's, it's just different up there.
2: How do you, how do you uh, feel about, uh, like, Coach Carter's impact on the world, the culture, the basketball community, and everything like that? Like, I know you briefly spoke about it a little bit, but, like, looking back on it now, just the effect on Coach Carter um, and its iconic uh, appeal that it's had.
3: I think it has a lot of appeal for, for one reason. Education, because that's what he was big on, education. You are a student athlete. student comes first. And a lot of cats, you know, now it's just if I got game and I got the marketability, I could go straight to the league. But what these young cats don't understand is you got to sign a contract. Yep. And you got to know what that contract say, because that could be the difference in you making $10,000 and 100000 you know what I'm saying? Some You signing away your rights because you don't know how to read. But so, yo, the English, the everybody always, like I always preach to my kids. It's the reason why English and math is the main two subjects. It's the reason why, because you need to understand how to get paid. You see what I'm saying? So you read this stuff to get your check. That's the math. That's the English portion. That's the math portion because at a certain point, you're not a you're not a businessman. You're a business. You're the business. Man. Yeah, you're the businessman. You are the business. <laughs> you are a boss. You are a CEO. You don't work for your agent. You don't work for your lawyer. You don't work for them. They work for you. They're your employees. But if you don't know how to run a company. You know, because you don't have the education that, run yourself,
2: that makes yourself. it, that
3: makes it worse for you. So like, how, how are you going to be able to get paid? It don't make no sense. And you know, I, like I said, I tell my kids that all the time because you, the boss, you, you, I want, I want to, I can't stand my boss. Well, be the, be the boss. Yeah, be the boss. You can create this, you can make this, but you have to run your company a certain way in order for you to be successful. And that's it. So Coach Carter definitely hit home with the student athlete. And then he did it in a certain way where he was like, oh, we got one player that's ineligible. And normally catch is just like, yeah, man, he can't play today. He's like, no, we can't play today. I'm holding everybody accountable for him not being, uh, for him not being because y'all his teammates. So you can't play either. So you better get in his ass and make him take accountability For for fucking up in school and making sure he get it right, and once he get it right, then we all could play again. And it was like, damn. So he made you come together, and he and I know the real Coach Carter, and and that dude is real like he a country dude, but he one of those country dudes with the values and the family and the one fail everybody. And he and he makes he makes sure everybody like he made sure everybody pushed each other. And we wasn't playing another game until everybody was eligible because he cared about that, you know, and and, and he really liked that, that line about the stats, you know, that was in the movie when he was like, since everybody likes stats, look to your left, look to your right. One of you is going to get arrested. One of you is going to prison. Yeah, that's the stats for this area. Since y'all want to know about that, I had 20 and 10. No, that's the stats. One of y'all going to jail in the next two years. Now that's an 80% chance of that. That's to this. And it was like, damn. And it hit home. It did hit home because I never really looked at it like that either. Until when I did the movie and it made you open your eyes to some of it, like, wow. But then you look back and be like, damn, if I had a high school program, I might do that too. Make sure everybody's held accountable for each other. And then you have a better season because everybody like each other, everybody more like a family. Everybody want to see each other win it ain't like oh he done he done hit three shots in a row. Let me get mine on me. If he hit three, he gonna hit three more. I don't need to shoot. I'm I'm a milk him. You know what I'm saying? I don't. None of us need to touch the ball if he hot. And that's how you know what I'm saying. And that's how he built that camaraderie between everybody. So I think that touched a lot of issues, and that's why a lot of people like. I know high school coaches and college coaches. They come up to me now and be like, "Hey man, that was inspiration for my kids." My I coach a JV team and we watched that movie and, da, 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 and I'm like, damn, that's dope. They make you feel good. Like you did something, you know what I'm saying? I helped portray a message, but the student athletes of the world.
0: So in filming the basketball scenes for coach Carter, was it any different compared to filming the basketball scenes for one tree Hill? How would you compare them?
3: You know, it was the same people. So um, it was called real sports and they wanted everything as authentic as possible. They did Coach Carter because they did want to have to hire stunt doubles. So when they was doing it, they was like, "Look, we had a month of basketball training before we started filming." And Coach Ellis, when you would get to like, I never forget it. I'm, I'm, I am i am i do not already played basketball professionally everywhere. So now I, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing this movie. It's acting. Boom. I pulled up. I couldn't park outside or something. And like, like I said, normally. I would be 30 minutes early for regular practice on any team. This day it was like practice was at noon. I think I got to the gym at like 11.55 and couldn't find parking. And I walk in the gym at like 12.03. I'm getting dressed and now I'm ready. And then I know I'm the better basketball player here anyway because they're actors. But we did ask some players there. And he was like, as soon as I got dressed, he was like, okay, you done, Mr. Worm? You ready? He was like, okay, cool. It's twelve ten. Everybody on the line. Ten suicides. Time. 28 seconds. Yeah, Mr. Worm want to be late for practice? Then we going to run for Mr. Worm. That's how we going to do it. I was like, what? It was like I was back in college. I was like, hold on. And that dude ran the hell out of us. We had real practice every day for two hours. Like, every day. If one person was late, everybody paid for it. If this was like everybody paid for everybody's mistake. Everybody paid for it. So it was like He was like, "No. When people see this movie, they're going to see the authentic the authenticity of this movie. They wanted to see us. They was he was like this movie is going to be real. Period." And it was because he really right. Like, everybody was like, "Did you do all the push-ups?" Man, listen. We did a lot of push-ups. We did a lot of sit-ups. <laughs> a lot of crunches, a lot of running, because that dude, he was like, "No, this is what it is." He never called us by our regular name after that day. Your name is your character. He called us only by our character name. Period. I was worried for the next four months that, 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 that they, they could. They never called me Antoine. I was worried for four <laughs> months, so it was like crazy. But he made it real to where when we put it, when they put it on camera. That's what it was, and and it was it's the same exact people that were in real sports that did all this, the um, the coordination and stuff like that for One Tree Hill, but I I didn't think he was because he was a little bit more lenient on One Tree Hill than he was on Coach Carter, I guess because it was a big movie, and the movies was what's popping at the time. The TV shows you could still go cut them scenes and go to the drama of who's sleeping with somebody's boyfriend. And then, you know what I'm saying? And they could cut that out. But And Coach Carter, it was basketball. That was it. This need to be said how it need to be said. And that was that. And that's why. So he, like, flipped the switch. So Coach Carter was way more intense basketball-wise than than One Tree Hill, for sure. And Sunset Park was just, the director worked, wanted to work with us so bad. The director was, like, so... What are you guys gonna do? We was like, Well, we know all the plays. We practiced for a month. Let's just play. So they would call it indie. They would be like, We're gonna do independent now. And they would set up like five or six cameras all over the arena. Behind the backboard, all that they would set all the cameras up. And we would they would put time on the clock and we would play for like 20 minutes. And whatever they got, they got, and then they put it in the movie. So nothing was choreographed. Everything we actually came down and had to run sets, see who was getting buckets, who wasn't getting buckets, nothing. We just had to play. We played through files and everything, and they they edited it. That's why, that's why Sunset Park is just real, because we just actually was hooping. You know, they choreographed a couple things they had to, like the block at the end of the movie and, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was called Indie Play, and we did Indie Play a lot. And they got what they got. But real sports, they do a lot of indie play. But when they set those plays up, they don't want nothing looking phony. Like, it's got to be precise. Like, the footwork. When you dribble, 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 you stutter, step, you plant, you spin, move, you fade away. If they didn't block it, they didn't block it. And that's, you know, that's how it went on that set. And it went like that all the time. And they was looking for basketball players. So, Kenny Jackson, you know, action and... Bobby Jones and all of them cats. I I had everybody come. I was like, look, I know a bunch of hoopers. I'm I had a game this weekend. I'm gonna just tell all of them to come up there and they could get this money. You know, they're my homies and I know they can play, but they not coming to act. They coming to hoop. <laughs> like, period. Half the Drew League at the time, Chip. Everybody, if you go back and look at like that that tournament that we played in on the set, oh. you gonna see all the face You gonna see a lot of faces you know from Drew, because I invited all of them to the set to come get the money. So and they all came. They all came to the set and got that money. So that was the set because any time they yelled cut, we was all going at each other. So it was like that was the, the more like the most competitive competitive set right there was Coach Carter for sure. And then that next year, 2004, the team that we put in, Coach Carter, won a championship at Drew. Nova Stars. Won a championship that year. First first team ever in the history of Drew to come in the first year and win a chip. And we beat problems in the championship. And that was all the catch from Drew that we just assembled a team, and they just like playing with each other. So we put the team in the next season and, and won a Drew championship. That's when we was, it was, Adidas was the sponsor at the time. I still got the, the, uh, light blue. Remember the light blue yeah. and, uh, North Carolina blue and white reversible jerseys, the, the Adidas joints. I still got them joints.
0: All right. So we'll start wrapping this episode right. up. We end each episode with three specific segments. Uh, we'll get into the first one, which was named give a dog a bone segment. It's basically a couple of rapid fire questions for you to answer. Just so, our listeners and get to know you a little bit better. Um, first one we start off with, with the underdogs podcast. We got to know what your favorite dog breed is.
3: I like uh, blue nose pit bulls. Favorite musical artist? I got a lot of favorite artists, but one of my favorite is my my Chicago homie Twisted. I can't, I, you know, I can't, I, I can't uh, run on Twisted. That's my dog.
0: Right. In a fantasy world, Tree Hill Ravens versus Richmond Oilers, who's winning?
3: Oh. I'm at the road with the with the Oilers.
0: Okay. Also in this fantasy world, skills versus Worm one on one. Who you taking?
3: I'm taking Worm. Worm would probably dog him because they was from the ghetto. <laughs> he, got more, he got a little bit more dog in him than, than skills. Skills grew, you know. He was by the beach. <laughs> they was playing beer bar. Worm, Worm ain't never heard of beer pump. <laughs> Hey, Rome, I'm going to shoot some dice.
0: <laughs> Do you have a favorite actor or actress?
3: Samuel had to be my top. MJ or LeBron? MJ for sure, easy.
0: Nike or Adidas? Nike. Chicago or LA?
3: Chi-town all day long. That's where it's I'm from. Favorite,
0: Favorite current player?
3: favorite current right now <laughs> oh, i'm have to go with KD i'm have to go with KD or Kyrie one of them cuz i ain't <laughs> can't nobody go i love Steph too so i don't know it's it's a few out here but i love Steph <laughs> Steph Steph more like favorite like team. i play that's i, I like Steph cuz he play like i play i'm a shooter so
0: okay <laughs>
3: Well, who you like? I, I, I'm gonna tell you why I like Mike better than LeBron. Okay, now I got a bunch of these. I'm from Chicago, so I'm gonna be, they they think I'ma just be biased, but I'm not. I had a young kid that asked me last week. He was like, So you think, because you older, so I'm assuming that you think Mike, Michael Jordan is better than LeBron. I said, yes. And he was like, Well, why? I said, let me ask you a question. If you gotta guard LeBron, what are you gonna let him do? Oh, I'm gonna let him shoot. Cool. If you had a guard Mike, what you going to let him do? You can't let him shoot. You can't let him post you. You can't stop him. So you you already told me a weakness. I'm living with that three. If you making it that day, I'm supposed to lose. But I'm not about to let you come down the lane and just and just lay me and bully me. No. But if, if you hit that, cool, we supposed to lose. I'm rolling with that. But Mike, you can get him an open three. You could get him a mid range. You couldn't give him a post. Like you can't send him to the line. You could send LeBron to the line. He gonna trick some free throws. He gonna trick some Mike. Eighty some percent. He ain't missing none of that. So that's why I got Mike, and then I got Cole, because what? But you gotta pick your poison. What what weakness do they have? And on top of that, they gonna lock you up ninety four feet the rest of the game. They want to guard the best player, LeBron. When they play in the finals, he didn't guard. Steph, he didn't guard Clay. He guarded Draymond. He guarded somebody else. He guarded Pascal. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you running from them. you running from them. When Cole played y'all, Cole wanted to guard you. He didn't want to guard nobody else. Mike wanted to guard you. He wanted to guard Carl Malone. He wanted to guard, you know what I'm saying? He want to guard whoever it is that's killing. And then he'll go to hold his 30 for me, too. So that's why I got to. It's that
0: competitiveness.
3: Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. Them one, two, and then LeBron three. I, I gotta go with that. All
0: right. Well, today is January eighteenth. We gotta write this down. Podcast history. Antoine Tanner just defeated the LeBron versus MJ argument. Yeah, and it's over after that
3: Yeah, you can. I mean, I'm I'm gonna let you shoot. What else? Okay, beat me. <laughs> beat me. I can't stop none of the other stuff you got, <laughs> but the shot. Yeah, you got to work on that. I'm cool. I'm living with that three.
0: So would you say MJ is probably your favorite all-time player as well? That was going to be the next one.
3: Yes. And I'm only going with Kobe second this is because Kobe mimicked him. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Kobe said, "I'm a, if can't nobody guard that, then I'm gonna do that." And he and he studied it to the T.
0: What is your favorite role that you played?
3: I would say I would say skills. I would say skills cuz he had a lot of a lot of shades when he got to work with the kids and then he worked with the, you know what I'm saying? I was the friend who came in and gave you a motivational speech when you needed it. And, and then, uh, I was the uncle and, you know, he had a lot of different shades to him. You know, worm, when you do movies, you only that character for a little bit, but I was skilled the longest, you see, I was skills nine years. I was worm for four months. You know what I'm saying? So, I would have to say, I would have to say skills for sure.
0: Yeah, skills definitely brought the comedic relief to that show, too. So
3: that was appreciated. Yeah, everybody Uh, was dying, and he made somebody laugh. It was (laughs) was like, (laughs) here comes skills.
0: What is a dream role you would love to land one day?
3: I want to get a, a Denzel or, you know, Sam type role like how, how sam was in the i mean or um denzel was in the what's the name of the movie like eli book of eli where he was like the dude to come like save everything and in that in that realm where he just is nothing out there and he's going just into the unknown and figures everything out like i kind of want to do that i think that focus would be way different for me
0: okay so that's gonna do it for this segment i'm gonna pass over to mike for the next one
2: yo okay so i got this uh I got this segment to where I kind of dive into the the microwave versus like the oven theory you know uh you know since we was kind of talking about it a little bit uh previously on the on the pod to where you know we were just talking about the social media error and just like how highlights is that like that microwavable instant gratification type of feel but that oven process that's more that that underdog walk to where you gotta like season it, you gotta wait for it to get in that oven and, you know what I'm saying, properly be of temperature. So I got a few questions that I like to just, you know what I'm saying, throw at you. You know what I'm saying? And just see your opinion. So I got the the two thousands NBA versus right now NBA.
3: This this NBA right now is a little bit more exciting just because of the players. You know what I'm saying? Like what they capable of. It's like a new it's a new generation. Like Steph made the game different. The 2000 era was more physical. It was way more physical, you know, because you can't do, like, you know, jump on, you know, you can't run under catch, you can't do this, you know what I'm saying, you, can, you, can, you can't hand check, you can't. Back then, you could do all that. You know, now now you can't. They barely touch you, you. They shooting 12, 13 free throws. And the game, the scoring, they done made the game faster. So I would have to say that this NBA is a lot more exciting but I think the the 2000 era was more authentic, if that makes sense.
2: So going into um, uh, One Tree Hill, would you rather have uh, Nathan's confidence or Lucas' skill?
3: Um, uh, probably the confidence, because most of the game is confident. You know what I'm saying? Is confidence. So I would probably want to have his confidence for sure. But they both went through a lot. So they went, they both went through a whole lot on the show with the heart, with the heart problems and the this and him just going into depression, not making it and having to go a different route. He couldn't go D1. He had to go NAIA. He had to go, you know what I'm saying? So they both went through their own little things. But having that confidence, I would probably take that confidence because he, he, he overcame a whole bunch of stuff that was in the basketball world that he kept being a failure at. All right.
2: Last one. I got it. My steak. Would you take Coach Carter's uh, ability to own the moment, or yourself as a Drew League player coach?
3: Um, who? <laughs> that's the tough one because I've been both. <laughs> I've been a Drew League player <laughs> coach for years. Um, uh, I would probably take his. I would probably take the moment. I would probably take the moment, because he he impacted more people than I have as a Drew League player coach, because I only got 12 every year. You know what I'm saying? He impacted the world with one move. His statement got out. You know what I'm saying? I still deal with knuckleheads. Some want to listen, some don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you like, your teammate is open. You could have passed it and cut it and got the ball right back. Yeah, but I still made the layup. <laughs> yeah, but you had the Euro step to make the layup, and he was wide open. You kick it and cut it, and you get the ball right back. Like, Yeah, so definitely Coach Carter for sure. (laughs)
1: All right, so I got I got my segment called Overrated, and is scenario we always two different since you play basketball and act. Right, we give you to see which one, which one would you prefer? Would you rather have a seventeen-year acting career and an award-winning block? One of the main stars, right? Or a twelve-year NBA career, being a six-time All-Star with three. Because,
3: because I was always small, and I remember when I played in the Vegas and the pro and and the summer pro league, and they'd be like shorty balling, shorty balling, but shorty never got a contract because shorty never had the politics to back him. You know what I'm saying? Even though I was decent. I kept getting overlooked. Like now, nah, we send him. To, we'd let's just send him to France. Nah, let's send him to Korea. Nah, let's let's send him to an affiliate. But I would have loved to play in the NBA for at least one game. I would have loved to do it. I can't do it now, but you know, what I'm saying I, I probably could walk on the court, but I don't know how good I'll be. Cause they, the, the, game is fast. <laughs> the
1: game is fast. So, in addition, question: If you dig, went to them camps instead of them pushing you overseas, if Go to the league, I would have
3: went but I had a politics that's when I learned that it was it was it was political actors they know us but we don't make as much money as the producers or the directors uh, okay. that's the crazy part is yeah. but everybody want to take a picture with me that's the crazy part so yeah definitely the league for me <laughs> count me in
0: all right final question we end every single one of our episodes with this question what is the biggest lesson you learned throughout your entire journey so far?
3: Okay, the biggest lesson that I have is treat everybody the same. Executive producer, down to the extra. Treat everybody the same because you never know what that person is going to be. I I remember when I did when I did Sunset Park, this dude Mark, I think it's that Mark Jackson, actually his name was Mark Jackson. He was a um he was a PA at the time he used to run to get food for us and coffee and juice he was basically like you know like a slave on set basically trying to get his feet wet he ended up being one of the biggest directors in hollywood and the girl that was on megan megan she was on um coach carter she was an assistant she was the producer's assistant where she got coffee she ended up being my boss on black jesus she ended up being the executive producer of Black G, so you never know what they're gonna be. So treat everybody the same. You know what I'm saying? Like treat everybody with their respect in the game and 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 it'll fall it'll follow you, trust me. Because when I walked in and seen her, she's like, I loved Antoine. He was so nice on the set of Coach Carter, he wasn't mean and da Hired immediately. They go along long way.